Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Mike Lowen, and you're listening to the Football Ramble. Michael Owen, absolute pleasure to be talking to you. Thank you. Um, where, where to begin? I suppose we'll begin at the start when you when you burst onto the scene at Liverpool. When when you started, you, know, you scored that goal away at Wimbledon, and it just all went uphill from there. When, when you were a young teenager, trying to get into that Liverpool first team, and obviously did so successfully, what was what were, what were your goals? Did you think to yourself, I just want to get in the first team, or did you think? You know, I've got something, I want, and, I'm, and I really want to show the world what I've got. Yeah, I mean, it's very difficult to to say. I suppose I, I know what I, I know what the answer is, but you know, <laughs> you don't want to. You know, you spend all your life thinking in a certain way, but mm. trying not to let it come across because you'd come across as a right arrogant thing. But, but I the, was, I was better than everybody as a kid. Absolutely. Well, so and, I knew, I knew I wasn't going to just be a footballer. It was how far in the world's pecking order I could get to mm-hmm. is, is the simple answer I mean I broke every record there was to break for England and every youth team game and things like that so it's not pleasant saying it but you've but asked I'm, me so that's, but I'm, that's no, but how I'm I glad felt. you did say that because because it's almost quite reassuring because you know I played football at grassroots level didn't get anywhere but you know and, and so many people do but if, if you do have an ounce of talent even at school level or, or whatever level you're playing at you want people. You you want to show people what you're doing. It's your art. It's your well, and eventually yeah. your work. Oh, no embarrassment in terms of showing it. Um, oh, I was I would show off to the to the world if I if I could when I was a, a kid. But well, you did in France '98. <laughs> <I would argue. Yeah. laughs> 
but mentally, you know, as as you've just asked me, did you think you were just going to come on and, and mm-hmm. be a first team player, or did you think you was well? No way. I I knew I was going to be a foot. I knew I was going to be a footballer from when I was hmm. eight or nine. I was miles clear of anyone else. I was breaking the records for the county team when I was three years younger than everyone else. At, I was playing under eleven for the county at seven years old. I mean, hmm. it was just unheard of. Um, so. Yeah, I, I knew I was going to be a footballer very early on and nothing really changed my mind throughout my youth career. And uh, as I say, I broke into the Liverpool team at 17 and, and it was just a question of, you know, how high can you go, I suppose. Mm. And of course, you had those records, as you've just said, when you were a young player. And that just adds to the to the confidence that, you know, you, you probably had within you. But yeah. what about other young players? You know, did other players, do you think they had the confidence you had? Or do you think they would sort of think, well, I just, you know, I hope and, you know, rather than say, I knew I was going to get into, they sort of hoped or, or wished that kind of idea? Well, it's chicken and egg, I think. You are, you know, you can't believe that you're brilliant when you're not. And you can't have, you know, you can't be very good at something and, you know, think that you're terrible. You know, so I was scoring goals all the time. I was playing against supposedly the best teams and the best countries and the best, and I was being the best player on the pitch all the time. So what what are you supposed to believe? You know, mm-hmm. you, you have to think, bloody hell, I'm good at this game. Mm-hmm. I'm very good at this. I'm getting better at this game type of thing. It's, so what drives what? You know, is it your natural ability then drives the confidence or is it because you're so super confident naturally that you actually play even better than everyone else? It's, mm-hmm. it's a very hard one to, to say, but I think they probably drive each other in many ways hmm. and, and your first full season in Liverpool your, your joint top scorer in the Premier League your, your PFA young player of the year and I mean incredible first full season at a huge club like Liverpool and, and this confidence you speak of yet you always had um, a very calm exterior you know this, this didn't seem to go to your head you were still cut you know you played in England squads how did you manage to do that because the fame and the attention you got at a very very young age from as you say the talent you speak about must I mean that would mess with most people's heads even if people are far yeah. older than, than a teenager well it would I suppose and and when I look back now then of course I'm I deal with a lot of young players and and see their frailties mentally and and almost I thought it was normal I thought you know, just getting into the team was normal. It happens. I wasn't the first player to, to have made my debut and, and scored a goal and, and played well and got into the England team. It was happening quickly, but that's just what I always was. It was always, in my mind, always going to happen. It might have been surprising to anybody else, but I knew it was going to happen, you know. So, but so you mentally think, prepared for it, perhaps? I, yeah, definitely. And I, But I do think that mentally I was... Um, I always was mates with people that were older than me, Um I was always brought up, I, I was part of a big family, so, you know, you, you're a little bit, you know, streetwise, I suppose, um, quite mature for my age mentally, maybe not physically, but certainly mentally I was very mature for my age, and, um, and you learn fast. If you don't, you, you know, it's sink or swim. You know, I was getting thrust in front of a camera when I was 17, and mm. being expected to do an interview, I was getting pushed in front of a, you know, a, in a boardroom, or in front of a hundred fans, and having to do a speech and meet people and autographs and photo and all these things that like it's, it's abnormal really. Mm. But if you get pushed into the situation so many times, you just, it just becomes normal. And now, you know, having had year 20 years of doing it, 
that's just life now. You know, it's it's easy to walk into it. It's easy to sit in front of the camera and talk. It's easy to... But I had no option. That was just... And it either screws with your head, I suppose. It can, hap- can happen to some people or you just take it for what it is and... and it, you can just do it sure and 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 then of, of course you know putting in these performances um for liverpool everyone in in england obviously knew who you are britain and, and and probably far wider than that the world cup 98 was when you announced yourself on the world stage as i suppose back then the world cup was seen as as, as perhaps more of the world stage than, than than what we have now with television and champions league and uh, you know when you were called up you know you're in there with four forwards alan shearer les ferdinand Teddy Sheringham and yourself, and you break into the team. I mean, again, was that, did that give you sort of an euphoric feeling, or did you think, well, no, I've worked hard and, and I'm here on, on merit? You know, what was the sort of feeling around that? Playing up front with Alan, yeah. the great Alan Shearer for England. I know it's, it sounds mad, I suppose, but no, you, you don't think like that. I mean, yes, I had heroes. Yes, when I was 12 and 14, I had Robbie Fowler and Mm-hmm. You know, Liverpool players plastered on my wall. So they, they are heroes. And for the first month while you train with them, they remain sort of heroes. But you quickly realise that... They're just people. You know, they're just people. <laughs> and you're actually a little bit better, a little bit worse, whatever you whatever you are, um, on the training pitch as well. So mm-hmm. they've got frailties. You've got fra- You're just people, as you say. You know, don't build these people up to be in... Mm-hmm. You know, they are just people. They're very talented at what they do, but they're just people. And I wasn't really nervous about meeting people or training with I didn't ever go shy or anything else. I just still played my own game with and I suppose that's just a, a confidence thing, I suppose. I think the one time that I was a little bit wow was when I first met up with England and we just played Chelsea on a Sunday, so we were meeting up late and me, Paul Ince, McManaman and Robbie Fowler all going down, driving down. Um, in the same car and we walked into the hotel and it was early hours of the morning because as I said we'd finished late and they were given, the lads were giving me a bit of a tour of the hotel this is where we meet for breakfast in the morning do this, do that and we walked into the meeting room and there was Gaza playing a computer <laughs> game and he was, you know as I say it was about one or two in the morning yeah. and at that point I just thought wow, that's Gaza <laughs> that, that, now he, he made me think wow um, but again the next day in training I want to show Gazer how good I am. Of you course, know? absolutely right. And and then at France '98, of course, you know that goal against Argentina it, it catapulted you into that kind of, as I say, gave you that 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 world fame. But one thing I wanted to ask you, and, and, and I'd heard you say this on a, on a previous interview, when you took a penalty in, in the penalty shootout, and you took a few, you know, off the top of my head, two or three maybe penalties in in penalty shootouts for England over the years, you spoke of. Um, a, a sort of a desire maybe not to miss rather than to score and in the World Cup just gone in 2018 Gareth Southgate did so much work on penalties and, and, we, and it just about came through of, of course can you, can you sort of talk, talk us through that, that, the mindset you had when you were, you were going up to take that penalty because you'd, this was a game when you'd scored one of the best goals an England player had ever scored and of course you'd, you'd won the penalty and got us going Yeah I mean well my mindset was obviously I was confident because I had felt as if I played well and I'd scored a goal. So mm. I, I was confident. I'd never missed a penalty or anything like that prior. So I was confident. However, I had seen, you know, you can't be blinkered all your life. I had seen Gareth Southgate, you just mentioned, he'd missed a penalty. He ends up on a pizza advert. You've mm. got, you know, Stuart Pearce, you've got all these things 
people remember the ones that miss, sadly, and they mm-hmm. get an awful lot of stick and do something wrong, and next day all the paper's got a turnip on your head and all these mm-hmm. things that sound really funny to everyone, but when it's you, I suppose it scars you for the rest of your life. And I don't know whether it's right or wrong. I have a fair idea. I, I know how I felt, um, and I'm happy to admit that when I was walking up to take the penalty... I thought I was going to score. I knew I was going to score. Mm-hmm. I was confident I was going to score. However, when I scored it, I didn't think get in there joy. I thought, thank God mm. it's not me that's going to be scarred, that's going to be absolutely castigated for the rest of my life. Thank God that, you know, people will re- people remember that. And, okay, I understand why. but And I don't know whether that relief of not being the one is the right feeling to have or not. And I don't think it is, but that's just what I was brought up with. And that's possibly why, you know, over years we've lost more penalty shootouts than than we've won. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you you know, you had an amazing in career. I mean, 89 caps, 40 goals. Um, Very few people have scored more goals than yourself for England. Um, when When you look back at your England career, are there any particular... Really, real high points. Obviously, you've got the goal for Argentina, but any any that, that you would, that perhaps the, the public wouldn't immediately think of. Well, of course, winning five one in Germany and scoring a hat trick was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I can um, imagine so. Uh, that was that was great to get to the World Cup in Japan. I mean, quarterfinals against Brazil in Japan, scoring, dinking a ball over the goalkeeper to go one nil up. You're thinking if we win this. We're playing, I don't know, I think it was Turkey, Turkey and, then and then Germany. Germany yeah. Well, we'd just beaten both of those. Um, very recently, we'd be just beaten Germany 5-1. We genuinely felt that that was the final. If we win this, we're going to win it. You know, to I, go 1-0 I, up was pretty special, but of course it turned out to be not an important goal, but at the time it was. Yeah, I think that was probably the most gutted I've been as an England fan in, in 2002, because I, I agree with you. I thought that was from my point of view, as a, as a mere fan, that was yeah. the final. But of course, you know, a Brazilian side with those kind of players, yeah. you know, you can't have too many complaints, I suppose. No, well, I mean, there was so many great England moments. Again, European Championships quarterfinals are scored after a couple of minutes against Portugal. Unfortunately, five minutes later, Rooney breaks his foot. Um, and then we all know what happened. 2-2, went to penalties, we get we get knocked out. But again, scoring in the quarterfinals of the Euros was, was big at the time, going 1-0 up. I mean, sounds stupid, but I love the game. It's just a personal favourite, but we beat Argentina 3-2 in a friendly one in Switzerland. (laughs) And I scored two in the last few minutes. Do you know, I need to to personally thank you for that, actually, because I was travelling in South America at the time, and that happened about a month before I went to Argentina. So I was walking around that country beaming. (laughs) I mean, they're probably the least two important goals that I scored for England, but... They were brilliant. I was just, I was just, I mean, the rivalry and everything else, we'd just been beaten by them, obviously, in 98 as well. So there was a bit of animosity because I felt, well, I know we were a better team than them in 98, but circumstances went against us. But um, so there was always that, you know, we have to beat these. But with Argentina, they're a side famed for producing great footballers, but also they, they do employ the dark arts a little bit. Were they one side, and maybe Brazil as well, who, when you played against them, you knew that you were going to get the shirt or the little... Obviously, there's a lot of players that do that, but were they particular, um, particularly, I suppose, bad or, or good, depending on how you interpret yeah, it? Yeah, they were, no question, they were streetwise. Mm. You know, different parts of the world, you always know what you're going to get, you know. You know you're going to get a very fair game if you play against a Scandinavian team. Mm-hmm. You know you're going to be tested to the max against the... You know, South Americans, they're streetwise, they're, they know how to play, they know how to win, 
they've probably been kicking balls in the street since they were two or three years old and you know if they don't lose if they don't win then you know finding out a way to win next time whether it's to kick someone punch them or bite them or whatever it might be they know how to do it mm-hmm. and you've got to hand it to them that they're tough and they know how to win so and of, of course they're massively skillful as well but you know, you've got to have your wits about you in certain games. And I don't think, if I'm honest, that England have. I think we've, yes, we've been beaten on penalties a few times, but also in my time, we've almost, you know, thrown it away ourselves by doing, you know, have a, have a, things, a lack say. of street wisdom, as you say. Mate. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've been we've gone down to ten men lots of times. We've given penalties away. We've we've done a lot of things that you just think, you know we need to be a little bit cuter like the South Americans. Mm. Uh, did you, uh, when you worked under Sven Gunn Eriksson uh, for England, did, did, you, did you think that he might bring a bit of that sort of street wisdom? You know, a foreigner coming in. No, I don't, not, I don't think so. I don't think you can really bring it in as a coach. I think, you know, the heat of the battle, you go to your reserves, you go to what comes natural to you, what you've done all your life. You know, a manager can bring a tactics, you know, how to set you up and things like that, what to do set pieces and, you know, whatever it might be, counter-attacking or high-pressing or, or these different things. But, you know, when a ball drops to me 12 yards out, there's no coach in the world that can, you know, there's no coach in the world that can tell me what to do, really. How can you tell Paul Scholes how to pass a ball? Do you think Sir Alex Ferguson told him how to do that? Do you think Sir Alex Ferguson told David Beckham how to cross this amazing ball that he perfected over life? No, no one does. You know, it's, it's, it's all individual to the player a manager shapes you up in a certain way, but he can't give you anything. He can't give you that streetwise, you know, thing that we're talking about here or that bit of quality that, um, you know, it's, uh, I think it's almost a bit of a myth. You know, people think managers know everything about football or, you know, or, or are experts in every field. Well, they don't. They just put the great players out in certain ways and try to find the best out of them, but then they let them do the stuff. Absolutely. I'd, I'd love to ask you about your, your, your time at Real Madrid. Because, you you know, over the years of playing at Liverpool, you won trophies, you won the Ballon d'Or, scoring lots of goals. And then you go to Real Madrid. Now, did that kind of give you a, a sort of a wow or, or a factor or, a, or were you slightly faced by that? Because, I mean, really, no disrespect to, to other clubs, but, I mean, that's Real Madrid. You know, you, you can't really go higher than that in the game. Well, and that's exactly why I signed for Real Madrid, because I just thought it's an opportunity that if I say no, I'd be sat here, I'd be forever thinking I could have played for that team in white that have got the Galactico players Vigo, Ronaldo Zidane everyone it was just an amazing team live in a different country speak a different language and I just thought I've got to try it I I was hoping I could always go back to Liverpool you know that was the that was the hope but if I had said no I just thought you know you that would be an opportunity or or an experience miss now in hindsight, would I have gone? Wouldn't I? Would I? What would have I done? You know, with the way that things panned out afterwards. And but I have no regrets, and I definitely would have done the same again. It just so happened I couldn't go back to my my club. Mm-hmm. Um, in the meantime, Torres signs outstanding. You know, then I get injured, and then you know a year or so later, Suarez signs just out of this world, off the planet. What a player! Yeah. So it never happened. I could never get back to what I consider my club and for that I'm disappointed but don't regret because as I say for all the right reasons I thought I'd sample it listen one of Liverpool's greatest ever players and Ian Rush did exactly the same as me he was fortunate he managed to get back um, 
I was unfortunate that the opportunity never arose again. When you were at Real Madrid playing with these, you know, as you say, Galactico is an amazing player. You must have been frustrated with your your lack of game time, of course. Um, you know, how, how does what has a, has a striker like yourself deal with that then? Because you've got players, you know, Raúl is a club legend in front of you. Ronaldo is playing, and when you're coming on, you're scoring goals, you're doing things. Yeah, how do you deal with that? Well, a couple of things. I mean, when I first said to Jamie Carragher, we were away on pre-season with Liverpool, and I said Real Madrid have come in. And he was like, don't go. <laughs> I bet he did. And I said, why not? He says, you'll never play, mate. You know, you've got Ronaldo, the greatest striker in the world. You've got Raul, who's a darling. Then you've got Morientes and mm-hmm. all these players. He says, you won't play. And he, to this day, just laughs at me, the, the brazen self-belief and confidence. I, I was convinced, that, well, I'm, I'm better than all them type mm-hmm. of attitude. Um, so... I had that attitude, no question about it. I went there thinking, well, if I don't start, then I'll get myself into the team very soon. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Secondly, I mean, perception is everything, obviously, in football. I played an awful lot. People think that, people think that, oh, Michael Owen, he came on a sub every time and scored every time and he was harshly treated because he never played. I mean, I, pl- I started more games than I came on. I think someone said to me the other day, I started 20 and I came on 18 or something. So I actually started more games than, than not. Um, I think it was only Ika Casillas that played more minutes than me, someone said, or, or more <laughs> games than me, one or the other. But everyone thinks, oh, you never played and you came on a sub for five minutes at the end and you scored a goal and your goals were good and your goal to minutes were great. But it's not strictly true. I mean, I played an awful lot and I think I scored in nine or ten games on the bounce. Nearly equal, I think I was one game or or I did equal the all-time record of games on the bounce or something. I scored in the El Clasico, in the Champions League. I mean, I had a great time out there. I don't think... I don't think... Not I don't get the credit. I, I just think that people think that it was something that it wasn't and people are brainwashed into thinking that I'd never played or something whereas I had a good successful time out there yeah, absolutely right and, and you know from, from playing Real Madrid one of the biggest sides in the world towards the end of the, your career you find yourself at Manchester United which I think you said you know you were rather surprised at yourself was that um, I mean 
what was it like playing under Sir Alex Ferguson? So much written about him, so much said about him. That must have been quite an experience. It was. You get to a stage in your life, don't you? I mean, I was so in such a twiz at the start because you're getting scoring goals and awards are coming and you just think this is normal. But later on in life, you start viewing everything in a different way. And towards the end of my career, I was thinking, do I want to go into management? Oh, my word, Manchester United. You know, wouldn't it be great to see what Sir Alex... I always remember coming off the pitch off the first time, looking at my phone in the dressing room, Cara texts me. I mean, we're big mates. <laughs> yeah. Phone me as soon as you can. I want you to let me know what a Fergie team talk was like. Yeah, I can imagine. It's what yeah. everyone wants. Yeah. It's what everyone sort of... Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just the intrigue of it. Why was he so successful? And just watching him work, watching the team work. Listen, these are Giggs, is the Scholes, the Nevilles, the Beckhams, all these players. Have, they've really shown the way for, for many, many years combined, but led by him. So these players, just to see what it's like to be in and around serial winners... Um, now, don't get me wrong, I played in very successful teams that had that winning mentality, but these are lads and this manager have just done it a lifetime. So it was fascinating to join, to, to see that, to obviously play in the Champions League again. And for my own sake, you know, I'd been at Newcastle and I think the next move for me, you know, I, of course, listen, I wanted to go to Liverpool. Liverpool would have been my dream move all, all the time all the time but when Liverpool weren't interested of course you're going to play for the best team you possibly can who wouldn't would if you you know if you got offered the best journalism job or the best job of course you're going to leave whatever you are to go to the a better when you want to succeed in your life when you want to be better you want to extend yourself and you know to get an opportunity to go to Manchester United to play in the Champions League and things like that and play for a team that were winning the league regularly it was unbelievable at that stage of my career considering my powers were really waning at that point and I knew I was only going to be a bit part player but to be honest I thought to myself at that time I prefer to play 40-50% of the time than play 100% of the time for a team near the bottom of the league so mm. and, was that, and how was, yeah absolutely and how was Ferguson with you because he spoke you know very highly of you of course understandably so um and and with regards to the team talks, you know, I, I, I chatting to to Dennis Irwin once, and he said that he would often give you an absolute rollicking after you won. Whereas if you yeah. lose, actually, he wasn't too full on, which was which was quite an interesting sort of psychology behind that. Yeah, I mean, he was he would have his people that he would have a go at, and the one thing that I was intrigued with, impressed with. And listen, he owns a horse with, with me at my stables now, so I often ask him some of these questions when he comes and visits and we go out sure. for lunch or whatever whatever we do. And he he knows a character. You know, he knows... Who, if he was trying to get a message to someone that he thought he would break if he had a pop at them, he would never directly go to them. Mm. He would go to someone else that he knows. Like Wayne Rooney, for example. He used to get the wrath of Fergie every single half-time. Wayne could have scored a hat-trick at half-time, but he used to just respond through, for criticism. And you could, you could, let's say Nanny was dribbling all the time and losing it, and, but Rooney had scored a hat-trick, and he didn't want Nanny to dribble at any, Well, if he had had a go at Nanny, he would have broken him in half. He's, he's just not that person. So he would start telling Wayne to stop dribbling, and, but screaming at him. And Wayne would be fiery and fight back. And he'd go and score another four in the second half because it just motivated him. But he was actually getting his message to Nanny, let's say, in this mm. case. So he would have three or four players that he would have a go at regularly. But he was always knew who he could and couldn't 
sort of get a tune out of. Mm. And it's the ultimate man management, I suppose you could say. Definitely, to understand your players, to understand characters, to understand who you would lose, probably for the season, not just for a couple of weeks, if you mm. tore into them. And who you could get even more out of by, you know, saying certain things is the ultimate man management, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that goal he scored against Manchester City, you know, would, it was, it was, it would go down to sort of Manchester folklore. What a game to play in and, and to be the, 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 the player who had the last say on the, whole, uh, on the whole day. It was. I mean, so early in my uh, new career, let's say, the Stratford end, and, and the game was just beautifully poised, wasn't it, just to, to do that. It was, you know, toing and throwing. And, uh, yeah, it was just one of those things early in my career to score that goal. It, it made me feel happy, obviously, for one. But, of course, having the pass that I did at Liverpool, you're always concerned that you're never going to be accepted so well. So I think after that, I gained a lot of respect, let's say. And, um, and even now, people come up to me and... and say you know if it's a Man United fan say about that goal in the 96th minute or wherever it was so it there's some moments like that are what define your career I scored loads of goals in my career but you know there's only a few that I look back on if you say remember the great times there's about six or seven that mm. I think well that was that was that and that was that and of course that was one of them and they're the moments not how many things you've won because listen you can be a bang average player being in a great team and win 10 titles just because you've got some great players playing alongside you it's the, those moments, I think, in your career that you look back on and that you did well in that, that are great. Yeah, absolutely. And just, just finally, Michael, you know, absolutely, I hear what you're saying completely about those kind of memories and, and moments and so on. When you look back at your career as a whole, you know, you, you had some horrendous injuries, but despite that, you know, you, 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 know you, you achieved an awful lot. Do you look back and you think, ah, if only I didn't get injured, or do you just sort of think to yourself... Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I wondered because cause one or two players may think, ah, do you know what? Despite that, I still achieved an awful lot, but I suppose you think to yourself, ah, it could have been more, maybe. Absolutely, that's my, you know, I've, I'm wired like that. You know, I'm just never happy. I'm all, I'm sorry I'm content I'm very happy <laughs> but I'm never you know on a, when I retired I almost breathed a sigh of relief that I'm off the I'm off that bandwagon I'm off the True. treadmill you know you speak to play, people like Tony McCoy you know mm. greatest jockey ever there's no fun in doing what you do a lot of the time it's the fear it, he you know there's no fun in him winning a race anymore he's done it three four thousand times I mean there's no real buzz anymore but the fear of someone else being better than you is just, you know, it drives you on and on and on. Now, I had that from 17 till 24. I felt like I was, you know, at the top of the game. For the, for the rest of my career, you can't kid yourself. I knew that injuries had taken the toll. I knew I couldn't sprint anymore. And I can't tell you how painful that is mentally. When a, someone gets, when Paul Scholes gets a ball or Stephen Gerrard gets a ball or whoever it is, and you know what to do, you've got a sixth sense between you, you know where to run and you think, I can't. I've just got to come to sh- come short to feet. And then you get, you know, and you, you, you end up just being a player that, and all I had to rely on was finishing. I knew where the ball was going to drop. I was a good finisher. I was instinctive. But one thing that probably does my head in more than anything is that lots of people only remember me for the last five years. And that's what I'd hate to be remembered for because even though I was still playing at the top level, I was just a finisher, a a good finisher, don't get me wrong. And 
you know, if, if you'd said to me at the start of my career, you know, you, you're still going to be kicking the ball about in the Champions League at 30 or whatever, then of course, 32, then I would still, I would have been happy. But I wasn't. And, you know, I, I couldn't play the game like I used to. And for that is the probably the regrets or when I go to bed at night thinking, if only I wasn't injured and if only I was the player I was at 17, 18, 19, 20 for the rest of my career, then I think people would see me in a, probably a different light. I've no doubt that there's an awful lot of England fans out there who, who, who remember, re- the, who good remember times. the good times. And <laughs> well, if I not, remember and them. If they, so. And if they're younger, they certainly will look back because uh-huh. uh, you know some of the goals you scored and so on are, are etched in, uh, in English football history. But Michael Owen, thank you very much indeed. No, thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 